You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life.
The Manifesting God Podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening, good evening. You are listening again to the Manifesting God podcast. I am your host, Prophetess Marie Elizabeth. It's so good to see you all again. God has kept us, yes, another Monday. Come on, think about all the things that you've been through over this past week, all of the experiences you've had since I last saw you. God has done marvelous things for you. Can you just think back just simply to some of the things that touched your life between the last time I spoke to you and today, the issues that may have come up that you not expected, those things that you'd encountered that you not expected, yet God has kept you. He has provided for you. You deserve, you should give him all glory and all honor because we We don't always deserve what God does for us. It's not because we've earned it, but it's because of his grace, his mercy that he's chosen to give to us new each and every morning that we stand here today, that you're able to hear me today, that you're under the sound of my voice today. For that, God is worthy. Come on, get over to Colossians 2 and 18. Get over again to Colossians 2 and 18. Let's get started. Let no one, let no one defraud you of your prize. Let no one defraud you of your prize. I'm in the amplified version, your freedom in Christ and your salvation by insisting by insisting on mock humility, 
and the worship of angels going into detail about visions in parentheses it says he claims he has seen to justify his authority is in parentheses puffed up in parentheses the amplified version says in conceit by his unspiritual mind verse 19 says and not holding fast to the head of the body Jesus Christ, from whom the entire body, the entire body supplied and knit together by its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that can come only from God. Verse 20 says, if you have died with Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why? As if you were still living in the world, do you submit to its rules and regulations such as, such as verse 21 says, do not handle this, do not taste that, do not even touch. Verse 22, all things all perish, all these things, they perish with use. They perish as you use them in accordance with the commandments and the teachings of men. Verse 23 says, these practices indeed have appearance. They have the appearance that popularity passes all at all. They have the appearance that popularity passes as that, it passes as that of wisdom. So they're popular because they make you look wise. Doing these things, they're popular because they make you look as if one who has exercised wisdom in, but you don't realize, but it's in self-made religion. It's in mock humility and severe treatment of the body. Asceticism, it says. Asceticism, it says. But are of no value against sinful indulgence because they do not honor God. They do not honor God. What is this scripture telling us? Don't let anyone rob you of your freedom in God by forcing on you religious practices that they themselves have conjured up in their own mind to appear to be one of authority over you over you because the bible is telling us here these practices they make you look like you have all wisdom they make you look like you are all intelligent but indeed but indeed it has no value it has absolutely no value. It limits you. It limits your freedom in Christ. It removes your freedom in Christ. It leaves you in a stuck position, a position of no movement, a position of no growth, a position of no understanding. When you allow those, when you allow those that are of the world and in the world, but say they are in Christ, when you allow them to put religious restrictions on you, religious practices on you. False humility is what it generates. This word of God is telling us. It generates mock humility. It is not real. It called a person who's going into details about the visions they have claimed to see is only being used. 
It's only being used to make, to minimize, to minimize what you understand in Christ, what you've learned in Christ, what you've experienced in Christ. It's nothing but vain, puffed up conceit coming from an unspiritual mind. It's coming from an unspiritual mind and it is indeed keeping you in bondage by 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 subducing you with ignorance and making you feel comfortable in ignorance. Come on, stay with me. I'm going somewhere. Go over to Ezekiel, Ezekiel 17, and I'm in the NIV version. And I'm starting at verse one. I'm giving you an example here. What is she talking about? Come on, stay with me. You know, I'm going somewhere. Verse one says, the word of the Lord came to me. This is Ezekiel talking. Verse two, it says, son of man, set forth an allegory and tell it to the Israelites as a parable. Verse three, it says, say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, a story of of type. A great eagle with powerful wings, long feathers, and full plumage of varied colors came to Lebanon, taking hold of the top cedar. Verse 4 says he broke off its topmost shoot and carried it away to the land of merchants where he planted it in the city of traders. He planted it in the city of traders. He planted it in a foreign place, a place that was foreign to it. Verse five, it says, he took one of the seedlings of the land and put it in fertile soil. He planted it like a willow by abundant water and it sprouted and became low, a low spreading vine. Its branches turned towards him, but its roots remained under it. It remained under it. So it became a vine and it produced branches and put out leafy boughs. Verse seven says, but there was another great eagle with powerful wings, full of plumage. The vine now sent out its roots toward him from the plot where it was planted and stretched forth out its branches to him. For water. It reached out to what was familiar. It had been planted in good soil by abundant water so that it would produce branches, bear fruit, and it became a splendid vine, a splendid vine. Then he says to Ezekiel, the Lord says to Ezekiel, say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, will it thrive? Will it not be uprooted and stripped of its fruit so that it withers, all its new growth will wither. I'm going to stay with me. I'm taking you somewhere. All of its new growth will wither. It will not take a strong arm or many people to pull it up by the roots. It has been planted. It has been planted, but will it thrive? Will it not wither completely when the east wind strikes it, wither away in the plot where it grew? Now, let's let's go a little bit more because the Lord begins to explain to Ezekiel what the allegory actually meant. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Ezekiel said, say this to the rebellious people. I'm saying this to the rebellious people. Do you not know what these things mean? Say to them, 
Here's another story. The story is now in the place of the allegory. The allegory was just explaining this is a, a figure of what I'm about to show you now the actual story. The king of Babylon went to Jerusalem and carried off her king and her nobles, bringing them back with him to Babylon. Why? Because of their rebellion to God. This was their experience. Verse 13, then he took a member, boy, he took a member of the royal family and he made a treaty with him, putting him under oath. He made a treaty with him. He put him under oath. He made a treaty with the person he captured and he put him under oath. He also carried away the leading men of the land. So the kingdom would be brought low, unable to rise again, surviving only by keeping his treaty. This is important. The king is in a wilderness place, a place he does not recognize. He's been captured by the Babylonian king. God has allowed this to happen because of Israel's rebellion. True story. So the king, the king, the king of Babylon, he took him and he made a treaty with him. He made a treaty with him so that his kingdom would be bought low. It would be unable to arise again. His goal was to keep his foot on his neck. He said, you'll only be able to survive if you keep the treaty with me under oath to survive. Even in a state, a place of rebellion to God's instruction, God still sought to protect him. This is what we're going to see. This is what we're going to see. So what this scripture is telling us is that resenting an experience plotting our own way out. It only causes us to miss the understanding that we could have gained, not to mention you positions you in opposition to God, as we will see here, when you resist the treaty. The treaty the enemy thought was to keep his foot on your neck was actually there to protect you to protect you. So sometimes we get into that place where God is disciplining us or God is teaching us and we begin to fight against what we do not understand. This is not only the allegory that has been put forth, but this is an actual story that Ezekiel is explaining to us. This is an actual experience that Ezekiel is explaining to us as God explained it to him and as he spoke it to the children of Israel, to the kings, the leaders, those in authority, all the way down to the people of Israel who were brought under captivity of the king of Babylon. Verse 15 says, but the king rebelled against him. The king rebelled against the king of Babylon, even though, as the allegory said, he planted him by water where he could continue to grow. He gave him a treaty. This is that part of the allegory. I mean, he made a treaty with him. He thought to keep his foot on his neck, but it, for God, it was for him to continue to grow. How many of you know that God will protect you even when the enemy has his foot on your neck and he will provide a covenant with your enemy? The enemy thinks he's killing you. He's keeping his foot on your neck. He's bringing you low. He's keeping you from being able to ever rise again. But God is doing it for your 
safety. But the king rebelled against this safety. He rebelled against his experience. So he rebelled against his safety. He rebelled against his keeper, God. He rebelled against what was meant to bring him to a level of understanding and freedom in God because he didn't realize, he didn't realize that it was God who brought him to this place of captivity. So all during the time of captivity, he's looking for a way of escape. He's looking for a way out. But God had brought him to that place. And instead of him humbling himself and, so, and, and causing the people in turn to humble themselves and submit to the place that God had brought them to because of their very own rebellion, he immediately sought a way out. How many times has God brought us to that place of solace, that place of alone, brought us to that place where, the, where we would be put under thumb so that we could learn to hear his voice, learn to obey his voice, but we couldn't hear God's voice because we were too busy looking for a way out looking for a way of escape, not realizing that that place was our place of safety. What this king did, the Bible verse goes on to tell us, verse 15, he began to send envoys to Egypt to get horses and to get a large army. And then the scripture says, will he succeed? Will he who does such things escape? Will he break the treaty? Because remember, he committed to the treaty. Will he break it and still be able to escape? Verse 16 says, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, he shall die in Babylon, in the land of the king who put him on a throne, whose oath he despised and whose treaty he's broke. How many of us in that place of captivity, that place where we were, we knew we were there because we did not obey the voice of God. How many of us still were safe? How many of us still grew in that place? How many of us still could have, could have, could have blossomed in that place so that once freedom became our portion, we were able to hear God's voice. We understood God's voice. And not only that, we grew in the place of captivity. How many of us can say that today? How many of us can say that we came out better because of the place of captivity? How many of us appreciate our place of captivity or were we too busy looking for a way out? But the word of God says here, because you broke a treaty, because you despise the oath, because you despise the oath, freedom is not your portion now. Verse 17 says, Pharaoh with his mighty army and great horde will be of no help to that king in war when ramps are built and siege works erected to destroy many lives. So even the help that you sought to get out, even the help that even came, it won't be able to rescue you. It won't be able to pull you out of that place of bondage. There's a, there's a process to being released 
from the prison. There's a process to being released from your imprisonment. And there's a point in time uh, where this scripture is actually telling us, it's describing it to us that in the trial, in the experience, there must be a death. The death is to your own will. It should not be to your freedom in God. It should not be to your understanding. But see, when you fight against the covenant, both of you die in the experience. Both of you forfeit freedom in the experience. So now what has happened is you're free, but you're bound. Now you're the constantly learning and never able to comprehend because you never got an understanding in your imprisonment. You never got an understanding in your place of um, a bondage. What is actually true, you can't comprehend. You are bound to the world and its principles because you have decided, you have made a decision to be void of being able to understand anything else when you weren't able to rest in your captivity so that you could hear God and he could try once again to reach you. What happened was you despised your place of suffering. You despised your oath of suffering. You despised the covenant of suffering. You didn't accept all, all of what God had to offer you. And sometimes that will be a covenant of suffering. But alongside that covenant of suffering is going to be a covenant of safety to keep you to keep you. I'm talking to those who are wondering what is going on. Why do I still seem to be seem to be here? Why do I not feel the freedom of God? Why do I still feel bound? See, why you're still in that place, God is yet through this word trying to rescue you. He's still trying to speak to you. He's still trying to, to open those doors of freedom to you, but he can't open them to you until you learn to hear and obey his voice. This king, those people at that time had not yet learned how to hear God's voice. And what we read initially in Colossians that spoke to the rules of the world and being conformed to those, those rules are, 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 are what, is what is happening here when you come out of that place of, um, when you come out of that place of suffering and you did not adhere and you did not learn, now you come out and you're in bondage to the world and the world system. You have indeed been robbed of your freedom in God because you despised the place of suffering. Verse 18 says he despised the oath by breaking the covenant. He never submitted the king, the people never submitted to the covenant of bondage. They never submitted to the covenant of bondage. And because they couldn't submit to the covenant of bondage, they never submitted to the covenant of, of um, not freedom, the covenant of safety, of safety, because he gave, he had given his hand in pledge and yet he did all these things. He shall not 
escape. He gave his hand and pledge to the Lord Jesus Christ that I, to God, in this particular, we're talking about the Old Testament, to God, he gave his pledge to God that he would obey that he would submit to God's rules and regulation. And then not only did he did they cross God's rules and regulations in their freedom, then when God put it in bondage, they recommitted and then they still crossed it. They still did not obey it. They still did not obey it. Why? Because they didn't recognize that the covenant was of God. They didn't see these are our people that never thought that they should have even been in and been captive. They had been talked to several times about their rebellion against God, about their their dismissive ways of God's laws. They had been talked to over and over again about it. And now they're in Babylon. Now they're in captive after they've been warned and they're still denying the power of God. And they're still refusing to submit to the ruler that God has put over them. God gave them freedom in him and they couldn't obey that. So he put an enemy over them to make them subject and they still wouldn't be subject. They were still trying to look for a way out. How many times has God required subjection and submission of us and we not obey? And then when he puts someone over us, a leader over us to listen to and to and to submit to, we won't obey them either. And then we're wondering now why our life is dirt, why our life is crap, and why we can't seem to get any further. Why? Because nobody can tell us what to do. We know everything. Nobody, nobody can tell us what to do. No, but the older people can't tell the younger generation, the younger generation can't share with those younger than them. So now we have everybody just doing what seems right in their own mind. We have everyone as verse 18 says, despising the oath and breaking the covenant. Everyone now verse 19 says, therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. As surely as I live, I will repay him for despising my oath and breaking my covenant. Yes, there is a cost. There is a cost for despising God's oath and breaking his covenant. Verse 20 says, I will spread my net for him. I will spread my net for him and he will be caught in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon and I will execute judgment on him there because he was unfaithful to me. All of this choice troops, everyone he called in to fight for him, they're going to fall by the sword. Everything he attempted to build here, it's going to be destroyed and all the survivors will be scattered to the winds. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. Listen, you have to pay attention to people who cannot make it through a trial. Note them, people who cannot make it through a trial, always looking for a way out, a way around it. Those are they who usually remained trapped in it. We've all seen it. We've all heard them. How do I know this? Because, and how do you know this? Because they're still angry today. They're still angry today. They're still refusing to see how God kept them even in that place in that place of bondage they refused to see how god had covenant had a covenant with them even there 
even there, they refused to see the safety of that covenant that was for them in their experience. They refuse to see it, refuse to acknowledge. All they're doing now today is still walking around mad about the experience, mad about those who they feel have mistreated them, mad about those who never gave them opportunity. They feel as though never gave them opportunity, mad about what God has taken away from them, they believe, mad about what even God has given them. They don't even appreciate the good things that God has given them because they're still mad about what God has taken from them. That, by the way, they knew when they put their hands on it, it was never theirs. They knew it wasn't theirs and they knew it was going to be taken away from them. Yet they're still mad at God today for what God has taken away from them. And they work their, their what do you call it, sympathetic magic throughout, throughout anyone who, the ears of their listeners, anyone who will listen to them, so they can manipulate them into that same frame of mind. Next thing you know, that person will have you looking at your life the same way they look at their lives. All you'll be able to see is what God has taken from you or the experience you had as bad. And you'll never be able to see how God kept you through any experience. You'll never be able to see all the good things that God has given you because you're so busy focused on what God has taken away from you. How long are you going to be mad at God for what God has taken away from you that you knew was not yours the minute you put your hand to it. How long are we going to be mad about that? How long are we? Because that's what you're doing when you walk around just angry at your experience, angry at the people who mistreated you, you believe, angry at the people who you believe, you know, talked about you, angry about those who threw you away, you believe. When you, As long as you're walking around holding that anger, you are stuck in the experience. You, ma'am, sir, has have dismissed the covenant of safety that God has brought into your life to keep you through the trial to the point now you've broken the oath, you've broken the covenant, and you are stuck in your experience. Listen, I've had some harsh experiences growing up in God really hard experiences. Sometimes it was hard to see God and sometimes it was hard to hear God above the ridicule of the voices that were against me. It is very real. I'm not discounting your experience. However, at some point you have to simply refuse to forfeit to forfeit the promises of God over your life. And sometimes, sometimes that means holding on to a covenant. And these covenants are made naturally. Sometimes they come through a natural source, a natural man or woman of God. And sometimes you have to hold that covenant and you have to shut your mind down to the chatter. You have to shut your mind down to the external chatter if you're going to make it through. I Listen, I remember times where I was absent, but I was present. Come on, can you testify of that? You remember times when you were absent, but you were present? That was my survival mood, to be right there naturally, but absent. 
but absent. Couldn't tell you anything that happened around me. Showed up, but I was absent. I had shut down. I had shut down. How many of you remember that? You go into survival mode because you know that God is not permitting you to walk out of that experience yet. So you go into survival mode, whatever your survival mode may be. All of our survival modes are different. But here's the thing. You got to think back. That was simply your survival mode. And you need to know what that survival mode looks like. Because once you come through the trial, once you come through the trial, you have to know how to shut off your survival mood. You got to know how to shut it off. You have to have enough discernment to know when you're out of it. But see, if you if you broke the oath and you broke the covenant, you also broke your understanding, which means you also broke your, your discernment, which means you don't know you're out of it, which means you're still in survival mood. You're in survival mode. You haven't realized yet that you are out of the trial because you broke the oath, because you broke the covenant. You broke your covenant of safety. So where God could have kept you and you could have kept your mind because you broke the covenant of safety, the enemy got your mind instead. So now you're under the world and its rules and its regulations and the enemy's bondage, his religious bondage, his religious ways. You're under that now because you're still in survival mode, because you broke your understanding. You never got a chance to develop it. You never had a chance to develop it. And you must understand that if you have not yet realized that you are out of the trial, there, that means there's an understanding that you did not get. There's knowledge that you're missing. You did not learn in the trial what God wanted you to learn. And this is the thing that we must understand. God is still going to be God. He's still going to be God. Verse 22 says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will take the shoot from the very top of the cedar and I will plant it. I will break off a tender spring from its topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. Come on, this is after you came out of this thing and you learned and you listened and you kept the oath and you kept the covenant on the mountain heights of Israel. I'm going to plant it. It's going to produce branches. It's going to bear fruit. It's going to become a splendid cedar. Birds of every kind will nest in it. They will find shelter in the shade of its branches. All the trees in the forest, everybody's going to know that the Lord, the Lord alone, he brings down the tall tree and he makes the low tree to grow tall. I dry up the green tree and I make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord have spoken and I will do it. What am I saying to you? You're not always going to be low always. Some of us have been too low for too long because we've chosen to submit to it. It was far easier to look for a counterpart outside of our experience to try and put our trust and establish, how about this, and establish an oath and a covenant with them than it was to keep the oath and the covenant with the Lord Jesus Christ. It was a lot easier to seek an outside source 
external source to go to to covenant with and to go into an oath with than it was to keep the covenant with God, to keep the oath with what God told you to keep the oath with. No, that's my enemy. And I'm not doing it because they told me this and I didn't appreciate the way they said that. So I'm not listening to them and I'm not hearing anything they say. And I don't want to hear and I don't care what they say. But that's who God established for you to be in covenant with. That's your safety. But you'd rather not have that. So instead, you make a covenant covenant with their enemy because that seems better to you. That's more comfortable with you. How about this? You got more in common with them. You're more comfortable with them. How about that? Why, why don't we, how about this? Why don't we in the next five minutes just reconcile our truth? Why don't we just admit? I don't want nothing. I don't want God like that. I'm happy with my hymnal and my Bible and God every day. That's all I need. I don't need nobody telling me nothing. Why don't we just admit that now? Why don't we just admit that now? And not, not let's not beat up the true men and women of God. Let's not beat them up because our faith is not established. Let's not, let's not tear them down because we didn't want to grow up. Why don't we just admit, admit, we don't want nothing. We don't want nothing. We don't want to do nothing. We don't want to be nothing. And guess what? We feel that way, not only spiritually, but we like that naturally. We lazy naturally. We take everything that comes to us easy. We don't want to work hard for nothing. Have I got time for that? I'm too smart for that. Come on now. I got, I got a bachelor's, an associate, a bachelor's, and a master's. Heck, and I don't, I don't need I don't need nobody telling me what to do. I, I know I can read for myself. I can hear God for myself. I can understand God for myself. And I think your life is telling us all that you cannot. So what do you do? You go congregate. You go into covenant with those who are like-minded. Then that way you seem brilliant. That way they agree. You got somebody in your corner, somebody that agrees with you. Somebody agrees that, yes, you do have it all on the ball. Your life is great without him or her telling you what to do because you, you don't, you're grown, you're grown, right? Right. You make good decisions all by yourself. Right. Right. See what we're, what we're not going to do. And I'm that prophetess. What you're not going to do is, 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 uh, let's see, how can I use your leaders as mats to wipe your feet off on? That's what you're not going to do not in my presence. These men and women of God, they are suffering so that you can comprehend Christ. And here you are whining about an experience to the point where you're trapped in it. You're trapped in it. And now you're trying to trap them in it. Not on my watch. Not one leader under the sound of my voice that is a true man or woman of God will suffer another day. Not another day. The blood of Jesus covers your mind now. It covers your mind now, your will and your purpose. You're going to get through this. You're going to get through this. And God's going to send you people that appreciate you, that appreciate your suffering and appreciate your word of wisdom, your words of wisdom. They're going to listen and they're going to simply grow. And you're going to know they heard you because you're going to see them grow. They're not going to say anything to you. They're not going to, they don't need your attention all the time. They don't need you to be talking to them on the phone all the time. They don't need you to be calling them under time all the time. They're going to hear your word. They're going to digest it and they're going to grow up 
and they're going to come out of their experiences mature. Mature. They're going to come out mature. They're going to come out mature. They're going to come out grown up. They're going to come out ready to do the will of God, ready to experience the purpose of God in their life. Guess what? They're going to come out and be a help to you and not a hindrance. They're going to come out and you won't have to open your mouth. They'll defend the word of God that comes out of your mouth. See, this is the thing. Too long, too long, we as the people of God, we leave our leaders unprotected. We leave them unprotected. You got to use, they got to, people got to use your leader as a doormat because you submitted your leader to be just that. You submitted them to be just that. But here's the thing. It's not going to happen on my watch. You don't, listen, you don't ever have to, ever have to defend my leader. I got that. I got him. I got his wife. You don't get to touch that. And you don't get to touch me. See how that works? Stand up, open your mouth and know what you believe and defend what you believe. Why do we get in God and all of a sudden we can't fight for nothing? We can't think for nothing. We let people just walk all over us, walk all over our families, walk all over our leadership. Come on, we. Wh why do we let this happen? Because we're still stuck in our experiences that we're blaming our leader for. Our leaders do not get to dictate our experiences. God dictates our Babylon. He dictates it. He's kind enough to give us a leadership that we can be in covenant with for our safety until we come out of that experience until we mature in that experience. So why not just matriculate now? I mean, I think if you matriculate now, I mean, let's see, you might be able to get out by the new year because God can accelerate. He can accelerate the time and you might get out by the new year. You might get out by the new year. If you repent right now, you might get out by the new year. Come on. It doesn't, it doesn't take much. All it takes is that you make up your mind. All it takes is that you change your mind. Now, everybody doesn't have a good leader. Some people are on their own and they're still searching for that man or woman of God. They might be just now coming to the knowledge of Christ and they may very well only have their Bible and the voice of the Holy Spirit to teach them all things. However, are we, those who have been in Christ, are we going to be ready to receive those people? Can God trust us with those people? Not if we're stuck in our own experience. He's not going to be able to trust us with those people. So if you want God to be able to trust you, if you want to be trusted by your leadership, if you want to be trusted by your, your peers, those who are engrafted into the body as you are, and each joint is supplying the other, if you want, if you want that, then you have to be able to go through your trial. You have to be able to go through your temptation. And I'm talking about, we're not whining about it all the time. And I'm talking about once we come through it, we're not whining about it any longer. We're not getting up and giving a whole testimony about the trial that we've been through. Yes, your trial is your trial. It's your experience. And yes, it will help someone, but we're not dwelling on that. We're not living in that experience. We move past that. We take the lessons from it and we move past it. 
the goal, the goal is as in Colossians, um, what was I in Colossians? Uh, was I in seven? The goal is the goal is in verse eight of Colossians, the chapter I was in to see to it that no one takes you captive through uh, philosophy or empty deception, pseudo intellectual babble, according to the tradition and musings of mere men following the elementary principles of this world rather than following the truth. That's the goal. The, but uh, the only way, the only way that no one can take you captive through philosophy and empty deception and intellectual babble, the only way this cannot happen to you is you have to come out on the other side of the experience. If you don't come out of the experience with an understanding, with a knowledge of who God is and uh, 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 the lessons that that experience taught you and then leave that experience and walk out with those three things. If you cannot do that, then you, ma'am or sir, are susceptible to being held captive to philosophies and empty deceptions that are in the world. You won't understand, verse 9, for in him all fullness of deity, the Godhead, dwells in bodily form, completely expressing the divine essence of God. You won't understand, verse 10, and in him you have been made complete. You won't understand, verse 11, that you are spiritually circumcised. You've been cut away from a carnal nature. But now you are drawn to God. You won't understand that you've been buried with him and baptism and raised with him. Verse 12, you won't understand verse 13, that you're dead to sins and you're dead to the, to the um, uncircumcision of the flesh. You won't understand that Christ in verse 14 has canceled out the debt and the legal demands that the world is trying to put on you. Therefore, you will submit to them. You will submit to them because you don't know. You didn't get an understanding in your experience, in your trial, in your Babylon. You didn't get the experience. You reached out for external help because you wanted out. So now external help is actually your internal help. It has now become you. The world, the world's principles, the world's rules and regulation, they have now become you. So you're missing out on a freedom in God that you could have had. You're missing out on it. Now you're like the world. You're being judged in everything. You're being judged on what you eat. Verse uh, 16, you're being judged on what you drink. You're being judged on how you celebrate. You're being judged on how you participate. You're being judged on everything. You're reduced to mere rules and regulations that come with the world that come with the world. Colossians 2 and 6, I was in chapter 2, it says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in union with him, even through your experience. Hold the covenant tightly. Hold the oath tightly. Hold it because that keeps you in union with him. It will help you that once you come out to reflect his character and the things you do and say that you'll be able to lead others away from a life of sin. It will help you. Verse seven says, having been, deep, having been deeply rooting in him and now being continually built up in him. You see that? Continually built up even in my experience, even in my 
my Babylon experience, I was still being continually built up in him. And I was becoming more and more established in the faith, just as I was taught. And and now um, that I'm out of it, I am overflowing with gratitude. We don't have we don't have a lot of opportunity or a lot of leeway in Babylon. The choice is the oath and the covenant that God has set before you through whom he set before you. Nobody cares that you think it's your enemy. You're in Babylon. The point is you did not follow God's instruction in your freedom. Now he's put someone over you in the disciplined state so that you can be able to hear and learn him. Accept the disciplined place. Accept the place of the oath, the covenant. Accept it. Accept it. And the minute you accept it and stop trying to get out from under it, Stop trying to get out from under it. Then God will be able to keep you. Then God will be able to bring you out. And when he brings you out, there is a wisdom. The scriptures tell us here, there is a wisdom. You are continually, once you accept it, he can continually build you up in it. You won't lose any ground. The experience is not to cause you to lose ground. It's to help you to continually grow and continually hear him. It's to fine-tune your hearing, fine-tune your understanding, fine-tune your relationship with God. But the key is don't be so quick to run out because as you've learned, running out of the experience is only causing you is only causing you to miss out on the promises of God. It's causing you to not grow. It's leaving you in a place where you're stuck. It's leaving you stuck in your experiences. And then you come out of the experience and you're now you have a whole nother experience. You're bound by the world. You're bound by the principles of the world now. So what? So you have to decide. As you know, I'm always bringing you to that point of decision. You must make a decision. How long are you going to kick against the pricks? How long are you going to keep kicking your foot against the solid brick before your foot breaks? How long are you going to keep doing that? Why not sit down and rest? Why not sit down and rest in the place where God has kept you, where God has brought you to? For some of us, we're on the other side of the experience and we have our lessons. We have a greater understanding of God. We have a greater revelation of God because we allowed him to continually build us up and we became increasingly more established in our faith. That's what we were talking about tonight. What does being established in the faith look like? We're talking about, we were talking about established in the faith, being established in the faith. You cannot be established in the faith if you cannot not go through a trial. If you're always looking for a way out, you cannot be established in the faith. If you're always looking for that point of exodus, you cannot be established in the faith. The open door will open when you've learned what you're supposed to learn. So stop trying to start a war with whom you presume to be your enemy, the person you're, who God has given the covenant through. Why are you trying to start a war with them? Why are you seeking external forces to kill them? Because you don't want to be in covenant with them where God has placed you. 
because of your disobedience and because of your rebellion. How much longer, how much longer do you think God's going to tolerate that? See, what's going to happen is your enemy, oh yeah, they're going to get you. They might get you out past that door, but you got to understand you broke the oath of God. You broke the covenant of God. That person, they're still alive. That Babylonian king, he was still alive. He was still alive. But the king broke the oath. He broke the covenant. And for that, for that, God was done with him. For that, God had no more use of him. For that, God could do no more with him. You must decide what you want. Decide what you want. If we're talking about this today, it's because, as I said, some people, they're, they're out. They learned their lessons. They grew. They're, and they're still yet learning. And they know how to handle their experiences. But if we're having this conversation, it's because there are some of us who are under the sound of my voice that we're still looking for out. We still can't figure out why our experience seems to be going on endlessly and we don't seem to be moving out of it and we don't see the blessings of God on our lives and we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel and we are feeling hopeless and feeling like God is not with us. Well, sometimes, you know, sometimes we feel that way and it's not true, but for some of us, it's true. Yup. God is not with you. For some of us, it's actually true. But here's the thing. If you're under the sound of my voice, what you going to do about it? All of that can change right now if you repent right now. If you repent right now and say, God, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold this oath, and I'm going to hold this covenant, and I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to learn what I have to learn. I'm going to wait to get the understanding that I need to get. I'm going to wait to grow more in you. I'm going to wait to learn how to hear your voice because clearly I didn't know how to hear your voice. So I'm going to sit right here and wait until you make it clear to me that I am out. Until you make it clear to me that I have I have done what you've asked and now freedom is my portion. The choice is yours. There is a way of escape. There is a door of escape. But God will open it for you when he's ready. And for some of us, he hasn't opened that door yet. So stop trying to kick the door down. Stop sliding the messages under the door to the enemy, trying to get them to break the door down and kill the leader who's disciplining you. Kill the leader who's telling you the truth. Some of you are still, you're still trying these little tricks, tricks of your trade. You're still trying that. You're not going to be successful. The God is telling us here, you're not going to be successful. You're going to be the one destroyed. Is that where you want to be destroyed at in your trial? You want to be destroyed right there in your trial. That's your goal. You want to you want to be destroyed right there. Right there in Babylon. That's what you want. That's what you that's your legacy. That's what you want your legacy to say. He died in Babylon. She died in Babylon. Because she couldn't submit to the authority that God put over him or her. Change your mind. It's your opportunity. See, the nice thing about me doing the podcast or the nice thing about you watching me through one of the online venues is that it's just you. So nobody has to know but you and God. It's just for you. It's just for you. Let's pray. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about, we're, we're talking about today just establishing our faith. Established in the faith is our title established in the faith. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you thought enough of us to tell us to sit down, shut up, and wait on you. We thank you, God, today. We thank you that you speak to us 
plainly. We don't have to decipher. We don't have to figure it out. You even speak to us in our place of ignorance so that we can understand because you want to give us opportunity. You're reaching for us even still because you want to bring us out because you have purpose for us and you don't want that purpose to die in that place of Babylon. You're still yet trying to reach us, God. And we thank you so much for your patience with us. We thank you for your gift of Jesus Christ, who is sitting at the right hand of the Father and who is interceding for us even now that we make the choice of him. We thank you, oh God, that you're you're doing this because not only are you trying to save us, but you're trying to save our children and our children's children. You're trying to save our generations. You're trying to keep our name, our name alive in the earth through, you're trying to keep your name alive in our generation in the earth. We thank you, God, that you're trying to save us and our children and our children's children. We thank you, God. We thank you, first of all, God, and we pray today over leaders all over the world, God, those that are called and appointed by you. And I ask you today, God, that you would send encouraging angels today to strengthen them and encourage them in the work of their hand. I ask you, God, to give them strength, to, to, to renew their vision and, and, and give them hope Give them hope, God, that you have never left them and you've never forsaken them and that you are still their Lord and their Savior. And I thank you, God, for protecting them against the sheep bites. I thank you, oh God, for protecting them against the peer bites. I thank you, God, for protecting them against the external assassins. I thank you, oh God, that you have surrounded them with your blood-covered hedge of protection. Even now, God, I thank you for increasing them in wisdom and knowledge. In the name of Jesus, I pray and I bless you in Jesus' name. For those of you who are, are listening to me, please know that I pray for you and I pray for yours. I pray for everything that concerns you. If you're under the sound of my voice, I pray for you daily. And I want to encourage you today, don't give up. Don't give up on your circumstances, your situations. It's but a momentary trial. Don't give up. Hold on to your oath and your covenant with God. It will protect you and it will shield you. Don't give up. I'll see you next Monday at seven and I'm praying for you.